when you see something big and aspirational, do you see that as being available to you? And based on somebody's upbringing, what they've experienced, their mindset, they could say, that's okay for her. That's great for him. So if there's that thing and you don't believe it to be yours and you don't expect it to be yours, well, why are you going to take action towards it? Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Unstoppable Woman podcast. I am super excited to bring to the community an amazing guest today. Her name is Fabian Fredrickson. She is a mentor to thousands of women in business. She's the founder of Bold Heart, helping self-employed women with passion and purpose make the greatest impact they can while still being handsomely rewarded. Speaking my language here. I love that. I love that. She has a book called The Leveraged Business, how you can go from overwhelmed at six figures to seven figures and get your life back. It's a roadmap for showing women how to increase their income and impact with heart. So all things that I know my community is going to eat up. And what Fabian doesn't know is that she has been a key activator in my own life in two ways, which I cannot wait to share and which makes it even more fabulous to have her on the show today. So welcome, Fabian. Amira, I'm so excited to be here with you. It's going to be so good. Okay, so let me tell you these two places because what's funny about this is that Fabian and I had a false start in terms of recording this and we uh, started to do this last week. There was uh, a protest a big protest outside of her house the recording wasn't going to be clean but we had a great time like chatting and and getting to know each other and it took all my um will if you will my focus not to give away these two stories to you last week so here you go so when i first opened a different business probably in like 2008 2009 a while ago okay someone, a colleague who was like in a networking group, gave me this CD (gasps) from Fabian Fredrickson. And it was, I cannot remember the title of it. I don't know. How to attract all the clients you need. Yes. And it was sent in the mail. And I was like, this is amazing. And it really, it like blew my mind. And it was the first, as a self-employed person, the first entry into oh, this is how you do marketing. This is how you do client attraction. These are the steps you take. And I was so flippin' turned on by it. I didn't, I don't think I bought your program, but I was like so flippin' turned on by it. And I was like, this is outstanding. So thank you for that. That was like the beginning. And that was in a totally different industry that I was in doing something very, very different with my business. There are still people who tell me they listen to that in their car still like 15 years later. (laughs) So good. So good. Your energy on it was great. The the advice was great. It's it's fantastic. Now, the next one that I think uh, you may or may not know, but I will, uh, the the connection, but I'll share the story. Uh, We have the same mentor and I mean, I realized that I've had many mentors along the way and, and even your clients are mentors because they, 
they add to your life and you learn from, from everyone you, you interact with. But I remember going into the teaching seminar room of my mentor and seeing all these people, men and women alike, but all these people who had made their breakthrough, had like surpassed their wildest dreams in terms of their life and their income. And one of them was yours. And uh, he threw a party for you when, when you crossed the seven figures. And I was like, oh, that sounds good. I want that. And I remember seeing Allie Brown's uh, photo up there. And the thing that I want to give you as a gift back and give to the, the audience is that I looked and yes, there was a little bit of, with all of these people, not just with you, a little bit of like, huh, why am I not doing that? I want to be there, not here. There's, there was like a little hook, but the, the thing that I did, and I can look back on it with 2020 hindsight and see the competency there is if they can do it, I can do it. That's it. And then I took the steps, right? I made the decisions. I took the action. I changed who I was being. I changed my self-image and I became one of those women up on the wall, right? I became one of those women who was a success story on my mentor's wall, who had quantum leaped her income and had gone, you know, from 138 to 700K in one year and then crossed the seven figure mark and kept going and doing that year over year, right? That's, that was like, oh, okay, I, I can do this. Not a pill, like you have to do the work, but you don't have to guess. Yeah. And, and so anyways, that's a little, I just want to let you know that unbeknownst to you, those were two big activators in, in my life. And I'm grateful for that. And I think that's one of the, the powers that everyone listening needs to know that you have no idea how your presence in this world, your, the way you show up affects other people. And it, and it can be incredibly powerful in ways you don't even know. Well, that warms my heart so much. And I think there is this ripple effect. When we grow our businesses, we just don't know how deep of an example we can be for other people. And I think that there are a lot of people who get to a certain point of their business and they do the jazz hands, look at me. And while that's one way to do it, I think another way is jazz hands, look at you, you can do this too. And I, and as a successful woman in business, the more that we can make other women feel capable. And if I can do it, you can do it. The more we create something very special in the world. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you a question around that. Okay. So I have that stance, it almost to a, um, deficit. Okay. I have the stance that everyone has the possibility, the potential to, to do this. And if they just step forward, they can do this. What I know now from the, the, the perspective that I have at this point is that everyone has the potential, but not everyone acts on it. Not everyone is willing to move through their challenges, move through the growth to, to do that. And, and, this might be somewhat triggering for people, but why do some people skyrocket and some people don't? You know, the woman who gave me that CD, I'm still 
connected to in sort of social media and I can see what she's doing. She's been in business the same amount of time as I have. And I'm, I, I'm, this is not a value statement about her as a human being, but just in her business, she hasn't gotten to the same level. So back to you, like, why do you think? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, several answers and reasons for that. And I'll tell you this. I got to a certain place, especially around that time, 2008, 2009, when I hit my first million. Now I've been at multiple seven figures for 14 years now. So I've had some time to process this, but in the beginning, it was like, oh my God, everybody should know about this because everybody must want this. And I'll tell you this, I came around, I, I came um, about it from an arrogant place. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if I want it, then that must mean everybody wants it. And I'm not suggesting that that's you at all. I'm not speaking to about myself back then, even friends. I lost friends yeah, because I assumed that everybody wants what I wanted at the time. But here's what one mentor said to me. He said, you know, sometimes Fabienne, you have to look at it as like their life is full. They don't want more. And then I thought about it a, a different way. And, and who are we to, you know, mm -hmm. impress upon them our aspiration? Uh, another way to look at this is you can't want it more for them than they want it for themselves. Absolutely. Right? And, and I think people always want more for themselves. They just might not want the same things that we want. Like we see like, okay, this is exciting to us. This is what's causative to us. This, this kind of desire is causative to us. And people want different things. You know, they might want a lifestyle business or a, like a smaller business, or they want to um, work as an independent contractor and they're confused about that, right? Like, and they, they want different things even outside of business. And, and I think it's really important for people to own their desires. And there is, there is like a zeitgeist right now. It's kind of exciting, but it also, there's a shadow side to it around the elevation of the entrepreneur. And it's very sexy right now to be an entrepreneur, to run your own business. And it's hyped up. And I happen to love being an entrepreneur. And so I understand, the positioning of that, like it's exciting to me, but it's not what everyone is cut out to do. And uh -huh. there are lots of different ways to be successful in, in business. So, yeah. So at this point, I have been working with tens of thousands of women business owners. So I've been at this for a long time, but just, and I'm, I love it. It's, it's what I'm here to do. And before someone comes into my program, they have to take some assessments because I want to know how you're wired and I want to coach you based on how you're wired and how you will respond to my coaching, which is one of the reasons it works exceptionally well. And what I've realized is that 95% of business owners are wired the same way. So if you look at my rooms, they're not virtual rooms, but if you look at the sea of people that I have had the great privilege to work with, 95% of, of us are, are wired as high idea generators. The quick start. The quick start people. Mm -hmm. High mm -hmm. idea generators who are low in follow through. They are great at strategy. They're great at influencing. But when it comes to executing, and they, it, it is 
what it is. And when you understand that, there are some people who are not wired for the risk for being on your feet, for flying by the seat of your pants that is required a lot of the time in entrepreneurship because you're constantly course correcting, constantly pivoting. And I'll say this, the last couple of years, what we've experienced is people have just seen so much change that they say, well, you know what, maybe I don't want to clock in and clock out of a soul sucking existence working for somebody else. I'll open my own business, but not everybody can handle the stress because there's so much uncertainty. Absolutely. The stress of decision-making, the stress of risk-taking, the stress of making financial decisions. There's lots of decisions in, in business that, that are, are critical. What do you think the role of internal urgency plays in that? So there's the sort of personality type, but, but where do you think internal urgency comes in? I think it comes down to a self-image. When you see something big and aspirational, do you see that as being available to you? And based on somebody's upbringing, what they've experienced, their mindset, they could say, that's okay for her. That's great for him. But if you don't expect it, if you don't believe that can be mine, then, you know, if all those belief systems get in the way, if you don't see uh, that it's possible for you, you won't really go for it. And you, you know this because you've done some mindset work. We attract into our life what we believe and expect to be ours. So if there's that thing and you don't believe it to be yours and you don't expect it to be yours, well, how, why are you going to take action towards it? So it's, it's not only a conscious thing, but it's also deep, deeply ingrained in the subconscious. So part of the work that I do, and I'm sure you do too, is to have somebody bridge the gap between I deserve that. I expect that I'm working towards that as opposed to that thing, right? First, making the commitment, making the decision, then looking at what is, how do I bridge where I am now to where that is? And it's not just the strategy. The strategy will come when you have the belief that it is yours one day and that you have the expectation that this will be your reality. 100%. 100%. So let's go to your experience, because I think it's really helpful for people to get stories. We learn as humans through stories and through examples. When you were, were making that first leap to your first million, let's say, what are the, the self-image, self-worth, identity breakthroughs that you had to shift in yourself? So what I heard you say was you had some level of, I can do this, right? If they can do it, I can do this. This is available for me. I, I, I can feel that there's some expectation of this in me of wanting that. But clearly you hadn't have achieved that. You didn't achieve that yet. You were in some sort of uh, holding pattern there. What kinds of shifts did you have to make in your self-image, your self-worth, your identity, all different ways of saying the same thing there? I had countless things that got in the way and I'll explain some of them. Number one is... Um, I've got three small kids at home. Well, at the time I had two small kids at home and anybody that I saw who was doing this was either, if she was female, she was either single or in not 
you know, just not a kind of relationship that I wanted. Mm-hmm. She didn't have kids. And so I thought, is this possible for somebody who wants an extremely fulfilling marriage and who wants two or three kids and who wants to be a present mom? The other women that I saw were highly masculine. And I am a feminine woman and I like joy and pleasure in an exceedingly high quality of life. Could this be done by taking 14 to 16 weeks of unplugged vacations a year? I did not see that anywhere from a feminine woman with a marriage and three kids. So I had to kind of say, okay, even though I don't see it, can I find the evidence somehow that this could exist, even though I don't see it existing. So that was number one. Um, Let's just pause there. Yeah. For everyone who understands the sort of the methodology that I teach, she saw it in her imagination first, just like the Wright brothers saw the plane in their imagination or Edison saw electricity in his imagination. It hadn't been, I don't know that no one's ever done it before, but- I just, she wasn't, that person wasn't in my consciousness. Correct. You, you weren't looking around and able to point and say, if she could do it, I could do it, right? This was a, a completely like, this is what I want. Can I create this? Okay, mm-hmm. please go on. Mm-hmm. I, saw, I saw women who were divorcing. I saw women who turned uh, into somebody that I didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to fiercely protect my values. Um, the second thing is, you know, as a lot of women, because women are reared to put other people's needs before our own or else she's a bitch or just not nice i wanted to um i wanted to see if this could be done by staying authentic by staying vulnerable by staying joyous by i like keeping all my values intact and today still today people say the reason I work with you is because you're vulnerable, you're authentic, you're the real deal. And you can, you know, I've, I've had the, the, the cooks, the, the butler, I've had all the things. And in the end of the day, I prefer to make my own meals. I prefer to have, uh, have my type of luxuries that I don't have to prance around in a certain way because that's the role of being a multiple seven figure business owner. So, I had to be okay with that. And then I had to look at all my beliefs about successful people are greedy, inauthentic. The way that you get to a million by launching is, you know, you have to like do all the things, all the masculine uh, methodologies that just didn't feel right. And I had to look at how can I be that, that, wealthy, if if we want to use that word, that wealthy person without being greedy, sleazy, inauthentic. And that took a while to say, is it possible? I I did a lot of personal growth and development work. I created a new self-image for myself. I created new beliefs. I dismantled fears. And finally, in the end, it's about um, embracing that I would not feel okay at the end of my life putting my head on the pillow minutes before I transition if I hadn't gone for it. The reason I call my, my, my company bold heart 
um, is because I literally invite women to put their ear to their heart and listen hard. And when they've heard the song that only they can sing, that's when I invite them to boldly take that song and make sure that everybody hears it. And it, it's really, it's just about courage. No, I love that. I love that. That was one of my questions for you. So thank you for answering the, where did the bold heart come from? Um, my company is called the unstoppable woman. And the, there's a like, don't stop at your fears, you know, have it, it's courage from a, it's the same concept of courage with a slightly different angle there. So I love that. I have two follow-up questions. Um, based on what you just shared. So I'm going to go back to the first one and then to the second one. Okay. The first one is you talked about the 14 to 16 weeks off. And I remember that from, I don't know how long ago it was, 15 years ago, this concept of you taking a three week month and um, having a, a week off. Is that what you're referring to when you talk about the 14 to 16 weeks off? Are you still doing that? Yeah. So for example, uh, uh, in two days, I'm leaving for two weeks. So we're buying a house in Provence. Mm -hmm. We're signing in just a few days and it's two, well, one week in Provence and one week in Lisbon, Portugal. And here's what I want to say is if we can detach our belief systems from there is no way that you can be have your company generate a lot of really good money easily the key being easily and without overworking um, and if you can embrace the idea that your business can scale and grow and leverage itself without you being in the day-to-day -day operations of your business right now i work about two to three hours a day one of these hours I'm here with you today. So, um, and this is fun for me. Um, when the team handles everything, when the, the business model has been leveraged so that even though my clients get to be with me every week, never more than six days away from being with me, it's the, I'm not required for all the nitty gritty operations pieces of it. And when you can embrace that mindset and set up everything in your business so that it can run without you and set some boundaries, knowing that no small children will bleed if the, the team waits for a week. Mm -hmm. You can go and have that exceedingly high quality of life. And I don't know if that's a really American thing in the sense that we have such a uh, high work ethic that working is and seeming busy is more important than being and resting and living a life of joy and fulfillment and pleasure. I think that's so true. I think, I mean, I, I believe that you do have to put the work in because there's, there's, and that that's to counter the concept that you can just uh, manifest through wishing and, and hoping like there's, there's action that you have to take, but can you live a delighted life while you're taking that action? And then what do you, how do you want your life to look, which is what you set up was, I want it to look like this. And then you started to create that. I love that. How critical do you think, I'm interested in the, the concept of 
the fact that you set those boundaries, that you took that time away, it sounds like you still do a few client calls like on that week off, but you're basically not running your business. No, 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 I'm not. I'm then those next weeks, I'm not doing a call. So it's virtually every week, but I have team that takes over on the days that I'm on vacation. Okay, and so and the clients know this ahead of time. Oh, absolutely. So when you said no more than six days. On the weeks that I'm working. On the weeks that you're working. That was the missing piece. Okay. So how critical has that time away been for you? And what kind of challenges did you come up against in terms of setting boundaries? Like, so it's a two-part question. Okay. Let's deal how, with the first part. How right? do you, how do you see the, the direct correlation between stepping away, having those good boundaries, setting your business up to, to run without you with the continual growth of your business? Okay. So if you think about the first few years of any business, let's say to get yourself to the first um, 10 K a month consistently. Okay. In the beginning, a business owner has more time than they have money. So to be able to get things done, they have to do it themselves. So they have to have a hand in everything. And once you get to 10K a month, multiple six figures, you get to 250, 500, et cetera, a year, you realize that what got you here cannot get you there because you become the bottleneck in your business. This is what the entire book, The Leveraged Business is about, is what got you here will never get you to seven figures, multiple seven figures with your life back. So what I've realized is the most important way for me to add value to my clients in the world is to have more time to think. Because when I have time to think and read and journal and really just innovate. If I have time to to put together the pieces to say, here is what my ideal client is globally struggling with and where is there a gap in the marketplace? I give her, I have time to think and talk to my team and, and read and learn about and examine my life, my process, reverse engineer how I did it to then fill the gap. And this is why I'll just say this, nobody else is doing what I'm doing in our industry. They may be doing something their way, but the way that I do it is because I have so much time to think. And I want this for everybody listening here. Even if you just get up, you know, I'm not a huge proponent of getting up at five, Um, I have been in the past, I've talked about the 5am club and the six miracle morning and and all of that. But there's a point at which if you can just carve out a half an hour and set strong boundaries with team, with clients, with kids, with everybody, and just think this is how you innovate. I agree. I'm someone who loves getting up early, but I go to bed at like grandpa time, grandma time, right? <laughs> so, so I I get a lot of sleep, but I use that time in the morning for my CEO visioning time, right? I use that. There's there's no one there. I don't set any meetings until nine or 10 in the day. And I have a good amount of time every day for myself to think through what we're doing. Some of that time is execution time, but most of the time is 
that space to really think. And I'm, I'm intrigued by the idea of a week, a month off. Um, I'm gonna play with that, Fabian, because I, the, the fact that it popped into my head when I was thinking about the questions for you, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Because right now I take, you know, I put four day weekends on my calendar. I take Fridays off every week. I have Thursdays as my visioning day, but I think there might be something to stepping out of the business for a week that is gonna put a demand on the business and grow it because if I'm out for a week and, and everything has to run without me for a week, which is what you're saying, that's, you have to put different systems in place. You have to put different people and roles. You have, to, have, you have to leverage a team, Yeah. right? Chapter one of the book, leverage your team. Chapter two, leverage your systems. Because you can't trust your team if they're not following a process. There is no process if it's living in your head. It needs, everything needs to be documented. And then when it becomes no longer the Fabian show or the Amir show, and it becomes a process-driven company mm -hmm. that is outside of you, you're still in it, you're still doing, you know, the majority of the delivery, if you will. But if it becomes, and then that's when you can get your time back and you can leverage your time. Chapter three of the book, leverage your time, which is about using your time for exponential growth activities as opposed to just doing. Doing doesn't grow your business exponentially. And then of course, leveraging chapter four, <laughs> leveraging your business model so that you are not required to produce the results for your clients. Your processes, your team, your systems, your intellectual property, all of that mm -hmm. produces the client, the, the client results, but you don't. Let's go into the nitty gritty on one of those. Pick one and give my audience a taste of say, how you, how you think about leveraging team or how you think about leveraging systems. Like what, when you were going from, I'm working all the hours, my relationship isn't the way I want it to be. It's not, this is not my vision of a business. What were like one or two first things that you did to readjust decisions you made around team processes, leveraging any of those leverage points. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. The most people who are in business, who start in business, uh, believe that they're the ones producing the results for their clients. There's a huge amount of a significance that is attached to that ego that is attached to that guilty is charged in the beginning, right? And there's the rescuer syndrome. There's the, uh, the emotional needs that get met when clients want us, need us, can't get results without us, right? There's the belief that they won't pay for that if I'm not there. There's the belief it won't work if I'm not there. There's the belief that if I get somebody else to help my, my clients get results, the person will take all the limelight, will take the clients and steal, will mess it up. There's all this stuff, okay? And when you can let go of that and adopt the belief system that in fact, they will get better results without me. Then you can approach your business model as I have 
in the way that, and mostly as we teach, in the way that, let me backtrack, ask yourself, how can this client who has this issue and wants this result, how can I practically guarantee? Like the only reason I say practically is because my lawyer can't, won't let me say guarantee. But we have set up our business model so that it doesn't depend on me. And I could flip the switch tomorrow. I won't because I enjoy it, but I can flip the switch tomorrow. And the clients would still get the same results and I wouldn't need to be there. How do you do that? You look at the aspiration and you say, for the client, and you say, what is, what does the client need to learn for them to, for, for me to guarantee that if they show up, they do the work. They, you know, if you, if you come in and you do all eight leverage activators, there's no way on this planet that you will not get to a million in your business. Okay. So you first, what are the steps? And then you have to think about the context. So that's the content. You think about the context, the context beyond what they need to learn. What do they need to experience in their life as it relates to working with you that will guarantee further that they'll fully implement because it will only work if they do it. So what's getting in the way of them not doing it when they're in other programs? You build that in, bake it into the cake. So those first two things, the content and the context, if you're giving innovation, you're giving results, it, we're really talking about providing your clients results that they can't get anywhere else. So if we go back to your particular story, give an example of when you were looking at this and you were in this scenario of it has to be me but you were like, but I want to take this fourth week off. Um, so it can't always be me. What was, what was something you did that might be not specific to the coaching world, but more universal, that was a small to medium-sized decision that someone could implement right now? Me having somebody else. So let's say, uh, I'll give you an example for design businesses. A lot of designers, whether it be website designers or interior designers are completely overwhelmed and sometimes want to chuck their business. What's happened is that they entered their business so they could do design because they like the creativity. But what they end up having is a marketing business, a sales business, a design business, small part, but mostly a chasing contractors, waiting for delivery of sofas, sending back lamps that don't fit and refrigerators that, you know, are too noisy. They spend 80% of their time in their non-brilliance uh, arena. And if you can understand that where you make the most money is in your brilliance arena, then you delegate the rest to people who are brilliant at the follow through, at waiting for the sofas and, and all of that. So a decision is to say, I'm only here to do my magic in the design and I will have Miss Junior Designer here and I will have a person closed for me and I will have a person go to the bank for this. That is one decision that says that the client will actually get better results 
because you will likely fail or things will fall through the cracks if you're trying to do it all. So if you can just stay in your lane of being brilliant at what you do and hire for the rest, you will do very well. So the zone of genius, zone of excellence, zone of good, you can do all of these things. You're capable of doing them. But you'll never get to seven figures. Right. You, you won't, you won't be, and you won't be happy. You won't be delighted with your life. You'll, which you'll is what will make you want to throw your business away, even though you're already generating six right. figures. So I, the, the challenge that I, I, I hear come up with many of uh, my clients is like that overwhelm time piece, which is like, how do I make time to do the hiring and the training and the support while I still need to make the money to pay for that. And they're in this catch 22 um, situation. How do you speak to that? I speak to it by having them look at how they really use their time. And they're doing a lot of busy things as opposed to a lot of strategic things that have to do with exponential growth. If I sit down with somebody and I say, write down everything you do, I will take 80% of the things off their list because those 80% are creating 20% of the results. The time is there. We just don't have a lot of boundaries and we have a lot of should activities. Yeah. This is what I call the needle moving action and picking your three things for the day. What are you going to be accountable to and how do you keep your word? And and then your identity and self-image comes into play because most people can pick the things, but then they don't keep their word to themselves because someone else needs them. And to your point in the beginning, women are trained to be people pleasers. So they drop everything and they do this other thing. I think that's a real skill that you have, one has to learn. I know that I had to learn that. I had to learn, these are the strategic things. These are the challenging things. I love them, but they're challenging to me as well. Like I've never done this before. I don't know how to do that. This is, this is gonna grow me, right? And there's some discomfort there and yet, I have to do the strategic things and not do this quote unquote productive procrastination where I'm doing a lot of other things that seem important, but aren't actually going to move the needle. So I think that's a, that's a big one. So let's shift gears here for a moment. You've been in business for a long time. You're, you're, you haven't flipped the switch. So you're not out of it. You're still in it. Okay. What keeps you engaged and excited are there different things that motivate you now than they did 20 years ago 10 years ago five years ago yeah i I, 20 years ago i wanted to prove that i could be Mm self-employed 14 years ago i wanted to prove that i could make a million and have a very high quality of life i don't need to prove anything to anyone anymore Now, what keeps me in the business is I love, I I believe that when women make their own money and lots of it, they have a voice and a choice. And I am here, bar none, in service of the divine feminine. And if it means making a, a woman feeling financially secure so she can quit a toxic corporate job or quit a toxic relationship, or whatever it is, um, be her most fully expressed in the world, that's what moves me. And my identity in the world is that of a catalyst. 
So I come into somebody's life, I flip the switches, and then I leave. And then her life is forever changed. I don't need to be that, you know, some people are with me for seven or eight years. It's good. So the role of catalyst is what keeps me in. But I'm building Fabian.com on the side. And that will be done in the next couple of months. And that's where all of the things that I've been teaching these women business owners for 21 years about self-worth, every time somebody asks me a question, I sound like a broken record, whether it's how can I raise my rates and not lose clients? You know, can I really blah, 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 and hire for where, blah, blah, blah. And my answer is, you know, this is an issue of self-worth. And that's what my first book is about, Embrace Your Magnificence. It's a whole course in self-worth. And now, because I'm working two to three hours a day, I still want to be in it. I'm putting my attention to what you're teaching these same elements around the world to women who don't have a business. How do you believe in yourself? How do you act confidently? How do you say no and set boundaries? How do you raise your standards for what you will accept and not accept from other human beings? How do you create a life that um, blisses you out unapologetically? That's, it's, it's not a side hustle because that will probably eclipse the first business, but it's a side hustle in the sense that I'm building it while I run this one. That's great. I love it. So let's dive into the feminine. Okay. Cause that's a big stance in how I show up, how you show up. I, I'm a much more masculine feminine than you, but I have a lot of, of that drive. Not that the feminine doesn't have drive. It's a different kind of um, uh, presence and energy. How is feminine strength to you different than masculine strength? I think that that's confusing to a lot of people. Mascul the masculine energy, as I've studied it, as, an, as, as I understand it, is an energy of push, an energy of do, an energy of action. The feminine energy is an energy of pull, it's an energy of be, and it's an energy of, uh, just want to say it, uh, joy, pleasure. Receptivity. Is, yes. Yeah. If, if you look at, how do I phrase this? <laughs> um, I don't know how to phrase this, so I'm not going to phrase it. But <laughs> if, if you look at intimacy, there is a push energy, which is masculine, and there is a receiving energy, which is feminine. The same can be applied in business. Everything that works in the universe, if you look at nature, everything that works has masculine and feminine energy. And where you see people who are, whether they are male or female, if you see people who are burned out or depleted or unhappy, it's because they're, they're or not growing enough it's because they're in one energy more than the other so one of the things that I do is I have times in my day when I'm in my feminine energy and times when I'm in my masculine energy so attraction versus action pushing versus pulling doing versus being and I have a whole system around that and because if you think about it, look at nature. 
if the sun were out all the time and there were uh, no darkness, our planet would fry, nothing would grow. Versus if it was dark all the time and no sun, nothing would grow and everything would be cold and damp. So we need both masculine and feminine energy. There are women who have been witnessing, especially achievers who have been witnessing how we get rewarded in society and we get rewarded by doing because the feminine energy of being has been ridiculed um, for thousands of years. So these women will step into a role of doing, 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 hustle, 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 push, push, push. Let me show you how much I can work. How I have a friend who um, says no one will outwork me. And um, sadly, she doesn't have a very high quality of life, but she's very successful and she's burnt out. She's too much in her masculine. And so they're yin and yang. So that's beautifully put. How do you share with women so it lands the discernment of when they need to step more into their masculine and when they need to step more into their feminine? Now, you said, I'm just going to underscore, when you're feeling that burnt out, when you're feeling that, that, um, low standard of living, not enough pleasure, you're, you're probably, that's probably a good trigger sign that you're- That means you've, you've, you've passed the mark already. You're already, <laughs> you're already at the deep end. Yeah. Um, the flip side is really interesting because I think people tend to do this black, white, either or way of being like, oh, I'm so burnt out. I need to now step back and, and then they don't take any action, right? They use it as a a way of abdicating almost and, and shifting out of responsibility. And, and, and I think that actually that the feminine takes action. It's not that the feminine doesn't take action. Um, it, it, it's just a different um, tone to that. So what example would you give that would be a good discernment kind of litmus test for someone who is like, am I, am I, too far on the other side. Everything in moderation. So every day there are times for luxuriating, meditating, dancing, laughing, napping, making love, playing with the kids, eating gorgeous food, creativity, anything that makes you feel in your body. And then there are times for thinking, strategizing, acting, uh, control, um, manifesting. But I don't mean manifesting like in our industry where people manifest by, um, bring me the money. Like manifesting like man, like hand, manifest, making happen. Um, marketing, selling doing what needs to be done to create results. The only thing that I would add to that is I think that those are different energies and also to look at, you know, as you said earlier, like you bring your authentic self to your marketing, right? It's not, 
it's not that you can't be strategic and in your feminine, not just at different times during the day or different, different activities, but almost in that same activity, I think it's really like life force comes from that, that combination of the masculine and the feminine. You need both to create. I think it's a matter of degree, right? That like, if you're only in the masculine or you've tipped too far to that, that side, you're going to start feeling tapped out. But if you can bring a sense of pleasure and delight to leading your team or having, you know, having the meeting or doing the marketing, that's a way of integrating the two where there's, there is a little bit of push. There is a little bit of pull. There is the, the, the more directed action and there's the more receiving um, quality. So just, I think that's, um, I, I love talking about this stuff. So thank you for your perception on that. Okay. Before we get to my final questions, I want to give you a chance to let people know where they can find more about you. Uh, you mentioned your two books. What else can they do to connect with you? I think one of the, the best places to go is boldheart.com. Um, I want to, especially if the, uh, the person listening is a woman in business, I want to invite her to go to the programs page and look at the mini documentary. There's a nine minute documentary, so it's probably boldheart.com forward slash programs. And it's an inspiring look at what women need to succeed in business. Very few people say that they watch that without uh, having tears in their eyes. And I think this is um, the uh, part of a bigger movement, uh, an, an important conversation about getting our needs met instead of trying to fit in a very masculine uh, world of, you know, the male coaching, the male masterminding, the male selling, the male, um, did I say marketing? Um, way of doing business. This is, we have different needs. Um, so that's a great place. And then of course, uh, the leveragedbusinessbook.com. Um, I, I consider it required reading for every woman in business, at least one who wants to get to 250, 500, 750 or a million with her life back. I love that. I love that. I think it's something that everyone should check out both the book and her programs page and, and that just to just have that reset, that different perspective on, on how you can approach business. So I think that's, that's great. I love that you led people there. Okay. So to wrap this up, what do you love about yourself? I love that I am powerfully feminine, unapologetic, a lover of life and people. Love it. Beautiful. And to use the languaging of this podcast and this, this company, what makes you an unstoppable woman? It's that unapologetic thing. It's that it's going back to what I shared earlier about putting my ear to my heart and listening hard to what I want to live, experience, create, or make happen in this lifetime. I believe that the things we are passionate about are not random. They are our calling. And the bold piece is about not letting anything get in the way. Yeah, that's great. 
Okay, so I just want to say thank you so much for showing up in your truth, your authenticity, with so much generosity, sharing some really great nuggets about how to reimagine what's possible as a woman in business, how to reimagine what's required to get to that first six figures, to get to 250, 500, to, to really live the life that you want while still having the business that you want. And, and for staking a bold claim for stepping into your truth of what that takes and, but not abdicating the action, the strategy, the things that you need to create in your business in order to have that. Cause it's not, you can't go into magical thinking and just wish for it because we live in the society that we live in, right? But you've, you've done a, a great job of modeling that and teaching that. So I so appreciate everything that you shared Fabian and thank you so much for being here. Thank to our so listeners, pleasure. thanks for listening. Thanks for, you know, being a loyal listener and please share this episode and join us in our next episode where we cover more ways to show up as an unstoppable woman and grow your business. Hey, thanks so much for joining us and being part of the Unstoppable Woman movement. We have got a ton of free resources for scaling your business at theunstoppablewoman.com slash free stuff. And you can find that link in the description below. So go ahead and check those out. And we'd also love your help in getting our message out to more and more women. If you'd be willing to share this video with all the unstoppable women in your life, that would be fantastic. And while you're at it, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Reviews, likes, and comments are greatly appreciated. We go in and read them all. So thank you for those. And thanks for listening and be unstoppable.